happy Resurrection Day, Resurrection Sunday. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, let's start just by going to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this day. What a special day this is. We thank you, Lord, for those that are with us today and just the privilege of being able to, to celebrate together um, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this great accomplishment for our sake. He died for us and he's proven that he is powerful and he rose again. We thank you, Lord, for that, that act of grace on our part. Lord, I pray that you'd bless our time together in your word. May we glean some things today that would help us, that would encourage us. Um, Lord, may we walk closer with you as a result of being here today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we <coughs> started a discussion. Last week was Palm Sunday, and we began to look at the death of Christ. And that was, we just come through past, uh, Passion Week. And today we're celebrating Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He was dead and is alive. That is the good news. All four of the Gospels uh, give us uh, an account. They record for us an account of Christ's resurrection. And each one of them have their own perspective. This is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one of them have their own perspective. And they have their unique details that they give us. But in, in essence, in the essential facts, they're all the same the same story they're recording for us what they observed uh, but they each give a little bit different detail which is wonderful because when you piece it all together you can get a pretty comprehensive picture of what happened that easter morning that resurrection morning of christ and i want to go over that with you just just a, a combination of matthew mark luke and john a combination of what happened that early uh Easter morning. It actually starts the night before, the Sabbath, which was Saturday. It started that night. Now, the Sabbath would have ended at um, at sundown uh, when the sun sets. Sabbath would have ended. And the ladies begin to prepare the spices. They begin to prepare the spices to anoint the body of Christ. Now, that was their concern. They couldn't um, stand the thought of Christ's body decaying and and they wanted to at least preserve that as long as possible, as much as possible. And it was an act of honor. They were respecting Christ, respecting God by doing this. Now, they were just doing what came natural. They just wanted to do this. Um, but we know that it was within the plan of God. And that's amazing to me because we see God's sovereignty right off the bat. It was God's sovereignty that brought these ladies to the tomb that early morning. They were just doing, again, good deeds, and we see God's sovereignty at work. Now, they had to get up early in the morning, probably before daybreak, before it got light out, so they could be there. They wanted to be there as soon as possible. The only thing that I believe that delayed them was the Sabbath. That's, uh, that's what we see in Scripture and on their way, they were walking to the, the tomb and they began to, to ask the question, who's going to roll the stone away for us? Um, you know, it's big, heavy stone that would be rolled in front of the tomb uh, to close it off. 
And maybe they thought that, well, the guards were there. Maybe the guards will be gracious and roll the stone away and give us access to the body so that we can anoint the body of of Christ. Now, Matthew then records for us that early that morning there was an earthquake. And he connects that earthquake with an angel coming down and rolling away the, the stone. This angel he describes as white as snow and um, as bright as, as lightning. Have you ever seen a, a lightning bolt striking? And you, you see closely, it is white, just brilliant white. Now, of course, that's going to scare the guards to death. And that's what we see. They were so afraid they fainted. Uh, Matthew says they became as dead men. It's a good description. That just makes me laugh. Because these strong Roman guards, they really have no match. They're no match at all. Now, this angel did not come to roll away the tomb to let Christ out. He came to roll away the tomb to show an empty tomb, empty grave there. Rolled away the stone. Christ, he had the power to call the angels at any time. Remember, he's hanging on the cross. He could have called those angels. In fact, they, they said, you know, call down and God will, will save you here. He had the power the whole time. He could have called those angels at any time. They didn't show up late to the party. No, no, he voluntarily stayed on that cross. The Bible says he laid down his life. He voluntarily stayed on that cross. He has no problem showing his power, demonstrating his power at the right time. So the angel come. And uh, rolls away the, the stone. The ladies finally arrive. And they see that the, the guards are gone. The stone has been rolled away. And the angels are sitting on the stone. And the, uh, the angels then instruct the ladies. Two parts to the instruction. He says, come and see. Now they needed to see inside the tomb. They needed to verify that this is a, a resurrection. And uh, then he tells them to, to go and tell. Come and see and go and tell. That was their responsibility. They were to go and tell the disciples. They were responsible to convey what they saw, this empty tomb, and they were to tell that to the disciples. Mary Magdalene seems to show up late to uh, the tomb, and she's weeping. Maybe that's why. She's overcome with grief. She wanders into the tomb, looking inside. She can't find the body of the angels again. Tell her to, uh, to, to go. He is not here. Why are you looking for uh, the, de- uh, the living among the dead, the angel says. And he instructs her to go. And as she's going, she runs into who? She runs into Christ himself. And she doesn't recognize him right away. She thinks he's the gardener. She, he, she begins to question, hey, where have they laid the body? Maybe this guy knows something. And the more she talks, she discovers that it's, it's Christ that she's talking to. She bows down and worships him, even grabbing her feet. And he says, no, no, we've got time. I've not yet ascended to my father. There's time. He's going to be here on the earth. So there'll be time to see her. And he instructs her to go back and tell the disciples. Actually, the ladies, meanwhile, they're uh, still uh, going back to, uh, to the disciples to inform the disciples. And Christ meets with them as well. And... Uh, on the road, and, and he specifically says, go and tell. And he says specifically, make sure you tell Peter. Remember that. Now, why is that? That's significant because Peter was Peter betrayed Christ three times, and, and he knew Peter was broken. 
Peter went out and wept bitterly. And Christ was just concerned about Peter. That shows you the heart of Christ, the focus of Christ. It's just amazing to me. Now, another thing that I think that is important here is that the ladies were the first ones to see the resurrected Christ. They took the effort to to get up early in the morning. They went out. And um, I think that's significant because in their day and time, they would not have been able to testify in court. They would not be a, a legitimate witness. It's terrible at that time, the way the, the ladies were treated. Um, no respect. But here God honors them with this, this little, uh, just this first mention of the appearance of Christ. He honors them. He respects the, the ladies. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. They get back. They tell Peter, the other disciples. Peter and John run first and uh, they're quickly getting to the tomb as quickly as possible. And John gets there first. He just glances in and sees there's no body there. Peter investigates a little bit. He goes inside the tomb and finds that the the, the grave clothes had been folded and uh, set aside. In fact, the face uh, cloth that would have been over his face was uh, folded and separated from the other uh, body linen. And um, that makes us think, what, what has happened here? This isn't just somebody stealing the body. They wouldn't have uncovered the body, uh, taken the clothes off. They would have taken the clothes with them. This is, a, this is indication, this is evidence of a resurrection, not a stealing of the body away. It's pretty good evidence, pretty good indication there. When the other disciples finally arrive, um, they look at uh, the same situation and agree to Peter, Peter's assessment and John's assessment. And they, they leave, it says they leave the tomb immediately. They go away because Christ had told them, we'll meet up in, in Galilee. Meanwhile, the Romans, remember the Roman guards, well, they go into the city and it says they, they told the chief priest, they, of course they had to report back to the chief priest uh, what had happened. And uh, the chief priest had no explanation for this. And they said, well, you just lie. Here's the story we're going to tell He says, just tell them that his disciples came and stole away the body. Um, That's a foolish, foolish story. And they paid them off. And he said, now, if if it reaches the governor's ear, we'll explain it to him and and explain it away. Now, these men, if this were true, these men would have been killed. And again, I think this is evidence, this is evidence of a resurrection, not a stealing away of the body. And then Christ is risen. He is alive. They find out he is alive. And for 40 days, they, they see him. And it's recorded that he is with them. And uh, we see in during this time that uh, about a week later, he is walking uh, and he comes along two of his disciples and, and he, uh, he, they see him on the road to Emmaus. And he meets with Peter a separate time and James a separate time. He meets with 10 of them where Thomas is absent, the eleventh one, and he meets with them uh, in the evening at one point, we see recorded for us. Eleven or seven of them, he had breakfast around the Sea of Galilee, if you'll remember that. And at one point, there were 500 saw the resurrected Christ. And that was probably on the mountain of Galilee, off the, off the coast of the, the Sea of Galilee. And the last time they saw, before Christ rose, before Christ ascended up into heaven... 
Christ informed them and he let them know, you guys are going to be my witnesses. This is the, the 11 apostles, the 11 disciples that were there. And they were given official report. They were to verify that they had seen him and then they were to go and tell. They were to, they were to testify of the resurrection. We see that in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And the disciples were obviously convinced that Jesus was alive. Jesus was alive. They saw him on the cross. They saw them put him into the tomb. And now they verify that he, he is alive. And they document it well. These men were convinced. They, they write these things down. They record this for us. And ultimately, these men paid the price of their life because of this story. All the evidence points to a resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we, we put our faith in this message. We, we trust, we believe in the testimony of these men. That Christ conquered death. He conquered sin. He conquered Satan on the cross. And He rose victoriously. It's a wonderful thought. He, he arose victoriously over the grave. We serve a risen Savior. God is a victorious God. He always wins. He always wins. He is sovereign. That means for us, we can trust Him, folks. We can rest in Him. We can, we can fall back on His sovereignty and, and allow us, allow ourselves to, to ha- be at peace because He is God. There's nothing too hard for Him. And let me tell you today, if you do not know this risen Savior, I would, I would encourage you to be reconciled. The only thing that separates us from this risen Savior is our own sinfulness. And we're going to sing about that, this in a little bit. But it's our sinfulness. And He took that sin and He died on the cross for that sin. That's what alienates us from this having a relationship with this risen Savior. And you need to take care of that today. If you have not, that's the good news, folks. That He was dead He took our sins, He died, He was buried, and that He rose again victoriously over the grave. That's the good news. That's the gospel that we share as believers. It's wonderful news. Now the question is, and I want us to think about today just quickly, is how do we celebrate that? How do we recognize that? And how do we honor that day? This resurrection day. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And let me, here's 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 the point. The early church, I believe, honored the resurrection of Jesus Christ by establishing, by, by setting aside the first day of the week as the Lord's day. Now, let me read that again. The early church honored the resurrection of Jesus Christ by setting aside the first day of the week, first day of the week as the Lord's day. I just want to look at Scripture. I want to see these things. I think it's important for you to see this, but I think it's the implications of this is really important for us. Now, if you would turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Now, I know you were waiting for me to tell you what passage to turn to. and That's good. Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. We're just going to look at one verse. And I want you to see the overarching principle. 
the overarching principle here. This is Luke's account of the resurrection of Christ. There's three things that I want us to note in this passage. First of all, is the first word. Here's the distinction that Luke makes for us. One of the distinctions that Luke makes for us. He says this, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Now, we know the story, so we know where uh, we have interjected this passage here. Why does he start with the word but? Because that's the distinction. I want, to, I want you to see the other. Uh, Matthew starts his gospel uh, or his account with the... And go ahead and show that verse. Matthew 28, verse 1. He says, um, now after the Sabbath, so he points that out, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. That's the way he starts his. Mark, in Mark chapter 16, points out this... Uh, Basically the same thing. Mark chapter 16 and verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, and he lists some names. Verse 2 says, very early, very early in the morning, on the first day of the week. The first day of the week. He's pointing this out to us. John says very similar thing. On the first day of the week. All of them say that. But one distinction that Luke makes is this word, but. In contrast. Now, there's a lot of contrasts here. Um, it could be that he's just saying, okay, compared to the, uh, from Saturday to Sunday, from the last day of the week to the first day of the week. That's a, a major turning point in Christendom. That Christ rose from the dead on that day. But not only that, I want you to think with me here. Because there's a major shift here from God's attention to Israel using a nation to turning his attention to a church, people from all the nations. He's turning his attention from a physical kingdom to a spiritual kingdom, from an old covenant to a new covenant, from a philosophy that says, come and see, to a philosophy of go and tell. Come and see the the splendor of Israel, the king and all of his wisdom. Come and see that. And everything now has changed. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the philosophy now is go and tell. Go and tell the nations. It's not just attract the nations, but go and tell the nations. So there's there's a contra, there's a there's a contrast there. The gospel never changes though. The Old Testament and the New Testament saints are saved the same way. It's through faith in Jesus Christ, either looking toward the cross or looking back at the cross. Now, there's another thing that we need to understand, and that's the real contrast. What is Luke contrasting here? And I want to start a few verses ahead of this, or or behind, in chapter 23, in verse 54. We're going to lay out this principle for you. Here's what he does. He says in... It was uh, the preparation day, uh, and the Sabbath was about to begin. Now, this was the day that Christ was on the cross. Remember, Christ was on the cross till about 3 o'clock. Now, that's getting very close to the Sabbath. The Sabbath would have began at sundown, and so they took him off the cross, and they're hurrying up because they don't want him on the, uh, the cross on the Sabbath day. So it was a kind of a rush job. And he calls it the day of preparation, preparation day. In the 
Judaism, they, they would know this, you would take the day before and you would prepare. It's like men, you, you go, or, or women, uh, for your job, you, there's a lot to, to do before vacation. If you're going to take vacation, some of us will take some vacation this, this summer. Uh, you have to do all of your one week's worth of work the week before, right? I mean, that's kind of the way it is. And then you call it vacation, and then you come back, and you still have to catch up and all of that. That's, it's a day of preparation. And they took that day and, and prepared for the Sabbath. And then, verse 55, Now the women who had come with him out of Galilee from uh, out of Galilee followed him. So there was a, a group of ladies from the northern part. Now this is where Jesus would have lived. And they came down to Jerusalem and were celebrating the Passover when Christ was killed on the cross. So they were from there, but they were followers of Jesus Christ. And it says, and they saw the tomb and how the body was laid. Okay, so they're already thinking in their mind, here's what we're going to do. Then he puts in this little caveat in verse 56. Then they returned and prepared spices. So even that day they begin to prepare the spices because they know we want to, we want to um, honor the body of Christ. So they... They returned and repaired the spices and perfume. Now, at that point, really should be a, a, a paragraph marker. And I think the ESV and the NASB has this. But if you notice, he says, And on the Sabbath day they rested according to the commandments. On the Sabbath day. That would have been Saturday. These were righteous ladies. They kept the Sabbath. They kept that uh, that part of that Old Testament, even even with Jesus' teaching, they, they, they rested. They didn't do any work. Now, can you imagine the grief in their heart? They're thinking, our Savior is in that ground. Where, where's the hope? There is no hope. You know what? <laughs> they were looking forward to it. They had already prepared. We're going to go and we're going to... Uh, and they began to make plans. They're going to go and they're going to anoint this body. No matter what. No matter if it looks hopeless, they're going to do this. Now, folks, that is an act of faith. That's a wonderful sign. No wonder the Lord honored them with the first revelation of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's just a, These are righteous ladies. Righteous ladies. But notice that Luke's focus is... The contrast here is on between the Sabbath and the first day of the week. He says, on, on the Sabbath. So he gave us the preparation for the Sabbath, and on the Sabbath day they rested. But in contrast to the Sabbath, we've got a whole new day. But on the first day of the week, early in the morning, early dawn, they came. So there's a contrast here. Now, you need to know something a little bit about Luke. Luke was a, uh, he traveled with Paul. He was a physician and he was a careful historian. In, in every situation, he would do an interview with the eyewitnesses. And according to Luke chapter 1, we see that he was doing this investigation probably for Theophilus. Theophilus was this, had a high position, we know. We don't know exactly what he did. He was a believer, but he was also a Gentile. Now, the Gentiles, that means that um, Luke would have to explain the Jewish customs for them, right? He had to explain. He had to connect the dots. Here's what the Jews did, because he already knew what the, the Christians did. He was a Christian, 
And Luke was probably writing it about, uh, about 35 years later, 20, 20 to 30 years uh, later, uh, after this event, Luke was, Luke was writing these things down. He was recording this for Theophilus. But also, Luke was a Gentile. Luke was a Gentile. You say, well, what's the significance of that? Because Luke thought as an outsider. He wasn't an insider Jew. He was, he was outside. He was out of that covenant of, of God's grace. He thought as an outsider. In fact, what we, what we see, this is wonderful. Out of the 40 different authors of Scripture, there was only one who was a, a Gentile. One who was a non-Jew, and that was Luke. And he writes two books of the 66 books. The Lord honors him. That's a wonderful thing. But he speaks as an outsider. And he's pointing out that God's people moved from honoring the Sabbath day. That was probably the last day that those ladies honored that Sabbath day. And they moved, the early church moved from honoring the Sabbath day to honoring the, the first day of the week. Now that becomes the key. The first day of the week. Now I want you to see this. Uh, Turn in your Bible to John chapter 20 and verse 19. I know it's a little technical. I just want you to understand the, the, the basis of these things. So we can get to the implication. John chapter 20 verse 19. It says, and so, so when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week. And when the doors were shut, were, were the disciples were they were still in fear of the jews it says and they were all together they were already meeting this is probably about a week later after christ rose and all of a sudden christ this is on the first day of the week christ is in their midst they were already beginning that pattern on the first day of the week first day of the week look at acts chapter 20 Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, um, intending to leave the next day. And he preaches till midnight. Now, folks, that's really good preaching, right? I'm not going to preach till midnight. You You can be glad of that. But notice, they were meeting on the first day of the week. This is about 30 years later. They were still meeting on the first day of the week. Week after week after week after week. The early church established that fact. Um, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2 says this. Let me start at verse 1. Now concerning the collection. Paul is giving instruction to the, collation, uh, to the Corinthian church. He says, now, uh, concerning your collection, he says, here's what I want you to do. On the first day of the week, each one of you is to uh, put aside and to save. You bring it into, uh, when you come together on the first day of the week, you, you take up that collection. It's a collection. It was expected. And that collection was to, to give to the poor and to manage the, the church. This was probably 25, 30 years later. These folks were meeting week after week after week on the first day of the week. Not the Sabbath day. On the first day of the week. Let me give you one more. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10 Because what title did they give this first day of the week? They could keep saying, on the first day of the week, on the first day of the week, on the first day of the week. Well, this is 55 years later. 
This is 55 years later. John, the Apostle John, he's the last one to write. He's the last Apostle alive. He's on the island of Patmos, and he has this vision, and he wants to tell you when he had this vision. In Revelation chapter 1, and verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, what day was that? He doesn't give any explanation, but everybody knew what he was talking about. On the Lord's day. Now, don't get that confused with the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord's a day of judgment. But this is the Lord's day. By this time, it was already established that this is, this is what we will do. We will give one day of the week, the first day of the week, and it will be the Lord's day. All right? Think about that term. The Lord's day. The Lord's day. The early church knew what he was doing. They, they knew there was no explanation needed. Um, everyone knew 55 years later they were consistent. So what Luke is doing back in Luke chapter 24 with that one little but, with the, that one little contrast between the Sabbath, last day of the week, and the first day of the week, was a little bolding. It was like, you know, I have uh, these notes up here with me and I, and I have to bolden words, right? Or sometimes you put words in italics. That's what Luke is doing here. He's just kind of emphasizing so it doesn't, it doesn't miss Theophilus' mind and, and eye that, hey, here's the contrast. This answers the question for you. Okay, the, the Jews had the last day of the week. Why do we have the first day of the week? And that answers that question for us. So it's a little bit of a, a subtle little distinction between Judaism and Christianity. Now let's let's just think about that. How do we apply this? I want us to. Here's the here's an application. We need to recognize a day unto the Lord. Think about that. It's not just oh well, this is the day we come to church, or this is the day we we listen to the sermon, we go home and act like uh, nothing's uh, nothing ever happened. No, this is a special day. The early church carved out. And I, I think through that. They carved out. There was no Sunday as we uh, as uh, we know it today. Back then, there was no Sunday like that. They had to carve out this into the culture. This this Sunday, this special day. That's a wonderful thing. These Christians just kept meeting first day of the week. Faithful. They come together for fellowship. They come together for teaching. They, they would get involved in each other's lives week after week after week after week. They would give one whole day unto the Lord. A whole day unto the Lord. Number two, I, I think we need to think about our attachment to church history. Listen, there's a lot of things about church history we don't know. We we inherit this Christianity and, and um, I think in... Uh, the, the things that happened in the past, the church history in the past, we don't even think about. Do you ever realize why do we meet on the first day of the week? Because Christ rose from the dead on that day. And we're honoring that. We're celebrating that. We're recognizing that every Sunday that we meet together. It's a wonderful thing. Now let me say this too. Sometimes I, I believe that we're kind of like babies born without an umbilical cord. We don't even look at church history. We don't even think about church history. And we just kind of make up church as we go along. And that is so dangerous. We need to look back. Now, there's some things that are just tradition we can throw away. 
But some things we, we've got to think through and, and ask the question, why do we do what we do? Why do we do this way? And let me, one other thing. The Bible can handle this high level of scrutiny. You say, well, that's just one word? Yeah, but when you begin to compare Scripture with Scripture, you see that these things hold up. The Bible can handle any kind of scrutiny, this high level of scrutiny that, that Luke would put on it, that anyone would put on it. That means then that we can trust this word. We can trust this word. We can trust this. So the principle, one day of the week, over to the Lord. Now, I want you to see the, the rich history of this. And... Um, I'm just going to quickly move through these verses. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, this passage that was read for us earlier. Exodus 20 notes that this is a day of distinction. Exodus chapter 20 and verse uh, 8, if you want to look that up, you don't have to. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now that's important. That word holy keeps coming up. What does that word holy mean? It means separated. It means distinct means distinct now the jews understood that everybody knows that the jews uh, celebrated on the the sabbath day the sabbath day was a, a holy day for them it was set apart at the end of that passage in verse 11 he says for in six days the lord and he goes back to the 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 the, the god's example of this the six days that he was um, he created, and then on the seventh day, he rested, and it says, and he blessed that day and made it holy. He made it distinct. He made it separated. That day. Why, why the week? Where's this week come from? God invented the week. Man didn't invent the week. Look at verse... Um, so, it's a distinct day. If you look over chapter 23... Chapter 23 and verse 12 <clears throat> says this. Six days you shall uh, do all of your work. On the seventh, you shall cease from your labor. Uh, look at the, at the end of that verse. It says, so that you may refresh themselves. So that may, they may refresh themselves. It's a distinct day. It's a day set aside for the Lord, but it's also a distinct day. I mean, I, it's also a, a day of refreshment. It's a day of refreshment. You're refreshed. Why seven days? I think because the Lord knows we need to rest. We get so anxious. We get so worked up. We, we think we have to do it all. And, and we, we think we can't give a day over to the Lord. Yes, yes, you can. The Lord will take care of you. Let me give you another passage. Chapter Exodus chapter 31 and verse 13. Talks about... Uh, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, saying, um, but as for you, speak to the sons of Israel saying, you shall surely observe my Sabbath, my Sabbath. For this is a sign between me and you through the generation. So every generation knows this is a sign. It's going to be passed down from generation to, the, to generation. It says, I am the Lord who sanctified you. This is a day given over to the Lord. He goes on to say in the end of that little passage there, it is a sign between me and the sons of Israel forever. It's a sign. Now this sign, the Sabbath, the last day of the week, that was connected to Israel. That was their special day. And what the early church did is they took away, they dropped the, 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 
the last day of the week and turned it into the first day of the week. But they understood the same thing. It was a day given over to the Lord. So they, they dropped the, the Sabbath part and the last day of the week, but the principle stays the same. The principle stays the same. That one day out of the week, I'm going to give over to the Lord. It will be the Lord's day. Now, folks, I don't think we see Sunday that way. I don't think we see Sunday that way. Deuteronomy chapter 12, or Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 to 14, we see it's a day of remembrance. Remember the passage that was read for us earlier? You were slaves in Egypt, and I have set you free from that. Now listen, I think this is a key passage because here's what I think was in the mind of that early church. We were free, we were slaves to sin, slaves to Satan, slaves to the course of this world, slaves to our own flesh, and Christ set us free through His resurrection. And I think this is a day of freedom. It's a day of freedom. We were slaves, folks, to sin, and He now has caused us to, to be able to rest in Him. And Christ says, um, in John chapter 16, He says, Come unto Me, all you who are heavy, uh, and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. What does the word Sabbath mean? It means rest. It's a day we, we come to Christ and we just rest. We rest in Christ. The whole uh, uh, picture of salvation, picture of heaven, actually, is just a, a time of rest. Not just rest from work, but a time of rest from sin. No battles of sin. It's a type of, of heaven we see in Hebrews chapter 4. The early church set aside distinguished, a distinction, Israel's distinction, the Sabbath day, and they kept the principle the same. And they sanctified the first day of the week. They gave it over to the Lord and said, this is the Lord's day. This is the Lord's day. Now we have, we have, Dishes at home. We're going to go home and we'll eat. Sometimes we pull out special plates. China. That's the way we need to see the Lord's day. This is a special day. Every week, the Lord says, you need to come at least one day a week and you give that to me. Remember what Christ said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's what we're doing, right? First day of the week. And Christ said, look, you give me that one day of the week and I will take care of you. I can't. I have to work. I have to do this. I have to do that. No, the Lord says, trust me. I'm a God to be trusted. Now, let's just think through this and we'll apply this and, and we'll be done. First of all, our thinking needs to be changed about this whole Sabbath thing. This is not just another day. Okay. Oh, that's Sunday. Well, that's the day we come to church and go home and just do whatever. This is a special day unto the Lord. It's not just another day of the week. It's not just the day we come to church. But this is a day for the Lord. You personally spend time with the Lord. This is a dedication of the Lord. You're remembering. You're remembering what the Lord has done for you. And it's a day of distinction. It's a day to rest, a day of reflection, a day to focus on, on God and His provision, His freedom from sin. It's a day of celebration and uh, remembering. Remembering. It's a day of distinction. And I believe that we need to know that. Because there's sometimes that we can't have church. 
Electricity goes out last of August. Snow, we've had snow days. What do you do with Sundays? Is it your own conviction that, you know, I know I'm, I don't have to go to church today. Something's happened. I don't have to go to church. But, you know, what? I'm going to give this time over to the Lord. I'm going to give a whole day over to the Lord. Is that your conviction? Or is it just, oh, it's the day we go and then to do whatever you want? Now, I'm not saying, let me give you some objections here. I'm not saying that, well, you say, well, I have to work. Well, that's okay. There's certain things, and Christ gave us that, that, uh, that leeway. And in Mark chapter 2, he said, uh, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. It's a wonderful thing. Frees us up a little bit. Say, I have to work, and surely you have to provide for your family. Yes, but sometime during that day, can you just pull back and, and just reflect? Here's what God has done for me. And rest and think. And that's the way we should see the Sabbath. It should be a day of refreshment, folks. Why? I don't know. The Lord says we need it. One out of seven days. So the early church established that, I believe. And they called it the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day. Um, We're going to sing a song about the mercies of God. I believe that we have seen God's mercy, God's grace on us because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's on this day that we can celebrate our freedom from sin. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He has taken that sin and and hidden that in Christ. He died for that. That sin is no more to be held to your account if you put your faith and trust in Him. This this song is just, uh, mercy is more. His mercy is more than our sin. Folks, that's what we celebrate. That's what we celebrate. We see the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He gave His life for us. And He rose from the grave victorious. And we, we can rest in Him. That's a wonderful thought. We can rest. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank You for these thoughts. Lord, I thank you for this day, this Resurrection Sunday. Lord, it's not just once a year that we celebrate. We celebrate this. This is so significant in our life that we celebrate this every week. We come together. We come together, and it's a wonderful time of celebration. Lord, help us to always, always, always remember the, the, the tie, the bind that we had, the slavishness to sin, that you have set us free because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, may we never forget. Lord, I thank you for this tradition that has not fallen by the wayside. Lord, may we be connected to you through the church weekly, your precious bride that we meet together. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.